Hi, I'm Nick with DuramaxTuner.com. Right now I'm behind the wheel of our 2004 Duraburb, a truck with over a thousand wheel horsepower. This is one of our most popular projects and includes a lot of cool new cutting edge parts, including Exergy's 14 millimeter pump, our Stealth 64, 150% over injectors, and of course that BorgWarner S488SXE. Man, listen to that thing. It is just nasty. <laughs> Remember, we're not just a tuning shop. We're a specialty high-performance shop capable of starting your build and finishing it, taking whatever horsepower number you're looking for and putting together a drivable, succinct, reliable combination of parts. You can get in contact with us at 815-568-7920. Again, that's 815-568-7920. I'm Nick Pregnitz. The Diesel Performance Podcast contains explicit language. Thank you for joining us again. I'm Paul Wilson, and you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Unfortunately, Danny wasn't able to join us today. He's out in a tree stand trying to get some deer. It is that time of the season. But don't worry, folks. We've had a lot of great episodes here lately. Uh, Gail Banks, part one and two, talking about the L5P, dinos, the viscous dampeners, and everything else you could imagine. Uh, definitely check those episodes out. Big shout out to Gail. Thanks so much for joining us. Also, Ultimate Callout Challenge coming up in April. Danny and I will be attending the event. We will be the official podcast of the Ultimate Callout Challenge. We recently interviewed Brandon Pierce, who helps organize the event. Definitely give that episode a listen and shoot us a message if you're going to UCC this year. Quick reminder here, check out the Diesel Tuners blog. I've been working hard on a lot of articles there. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, wrote about DSP5 tuning, LML emissions equipped. Also, search for Diesel Insight videos. I've been working on those here lately. And, of course, always give us five stars on iTunes. We, we need it. It helps us. We really appreciate that. Uh, but enough with the intro stuff. Today, very excited to reintroduce Phil Grandinetti. How's it going, Phil? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me, bud. Well, thanks for having me. Not a problem. Danny was out, and I couldn't think of anyone better than to bring Phil down. We recently did a P0700 Alice in Troubleshooting episode with you. And it just yeah. went great. Oh, that was fun. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. The feedback on it has been wonderful. We've gotten a lot of good questions, and I think we answered a lot of good questions there. And that's what spurred us up. The other most common troubleshooting that we do with Duramaxes is a P0087 and a P1093. And those are obviously low rail pressure codes. Correct. Yeah. Now, and Phil, before we dive into the episode, uh, we have previously asked you what got you started in diesel performance. Today, I wanted you to tell us about your dream diesel truck. My dream diesel truck. Holy cow. <laughs> I think it's in the in the shop right at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a 15 uh, 3500 Dually. Beautiful wheels on it. Just a beautiful truck. Really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at. You know, it might at this point in my life, I'm I'm not going to buy an LBZ or or something older than that. I'm just not going that far back. I don't want to, I don't want the project involved in that. Right. If I was to buy a truck right now, it would be one that was all done. All done. I like it. I like it. You need heated leather seats, right? Exactly. <laughs> At least. At least the minimum. That's the minimum package level. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um Phil, why don't you start us off pretty simple here? Tell us a little bit about P0087 and 1093 codes in a Duramax. Well, P0087, of course, is low fuel rail. It's usually will come about under extreme usage, 
whether you're climbing a, a steep hill, pulling a heavy load, or just maximizing the performance on it. That's usually when we see them. Um, that, that code is related to low fuel rail pressure. And when they say low fuel rail pressure, we're talking about about 2,200 PSI lower than what's commanded. Oh, wow. Okay. I never knew that that was the tolerance that they allow for it. But yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It, it's pretty tight. You know, tolerance-wise, you're up in the in the 28, 29,000 PSI range, and if you drop it down as little as 2,200, less than what it's commanding, it'll set that code. Gotcha. And it's just something's not keeping up. Right. Plain and simple, it goes into limp mode. It sets the code, goes into limp mode. Limp mode, is as we all know and we've talked about before, is uh, low power, restricted power, and third gear. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about P1093? How does that differ? I didn't look it up. (laughs) I know from experience, P1093 is excessive low rail pressure. So generally we'll find if you're getting a P0087 and you have something getting worse, there's another threshold that's, that's excessive low rail pressure. Kind of means you're fucked. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that, there's another um, uh, variance to this. I mean, the P0087 will also set if you don't get any more than 3,200 PSI rail pressure. Out of a, like an LML, I take it, that would run that high. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, 3,200. Oh, 3,200. Not 32,000. Okay. Yeah, 3,200. So, I mean, this is a truck that won't even start. Right. Um, it'll also set that same code, though. And um, that's it. I mean, I, that's all I know about it as far as the um, the 1093 code. Gotcha. How it relates to PO, uh, P0087. I only have experience with that. I've never really looked up the 1093. Yeah, 1093, We usually it's a little more rare. Um, probably most common when we have somebody would like, I'll give you an example. I used to drive my O2 Kodiak. And one day I couldn't get into fifth gear and I thought it was the trans. So I started digging into fluid and filters and all this. And finally I pulled my head out of my ass and data logged it and realized I was only able to make a peak of 9,000 PSI. And when we pulled the trouble codes, we had P0087 and P1093 because it was just more excessive of the low rail pressure. So it's just a larger threshold before it hits that code. It's the next step. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I could see that. It just wouldn't have enough power at that throttle application to make the next gear. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's precisely what I was running into. And we do have a lot of other common symptoms that we find when we do run into these low rail pressure codes, whether it's 0087 or 1093. Um, I know the biggest one you had just mentioned is the lack of power. Mm -hmm. I can't get up the hill. Right. I can't pass somebody or I have a trailer on or I was running wide open and it just kind of runs out. It doesn't feel like it has all the power that was there. What are some other symptoms that this code would be associated with? Well, you already said it, the transmission. We, we commonly get a, a complaint that the transmission doesn't shift correctly. It'll be associated with a PO700 and a PO0087. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, because it, it just doesn't have enough power at that throttle application to make the next gear. But there again, it's usually... What we've seen lately, it's usually on the big tune. You know, they've got it set on the race tune. It's at full throttle, and it's not in first or second because a lot of times it'll keep up with that. Right. It's after you get into third or fourth gear. It just won't make that next shift. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and I have seen 
like just poor shift quality. So what will happen is your trans learn shift points based off of throttle input and torque. Right. So right. it measures how much torque it's putting out and then it compares that to the throttle input and it kind of maps out the best way for it to shift from there. But if you aren't making the required amount of torque for whatever your throttle input is, it skews all the numbers. And that's where we get low shift quality. So sometimes you are still able to go through the gears, but it feels sloppy. Yeah. And so that at, t- some, at times will be attributed to this. And that that's usually the, you know, um, the end result is that you'll have to back off the throttle a little bit and it'll shift. Exactly. And what it's looking for basically comes down to speed. Yes. So at that throttle application, that torque application, it's expecting at a certain speed to make the next gear. Right. And you can't make the speed, so it won't ever shift the gear. <laughs> you know, so you just hang there in limbo forever. It can be really, really frustrating. Absolutely. Um, smoke, smoke output. We do see an increased smoke output from low rail pressure. And that's always one of the things I ask when I'm on the phone with somebody doing that basic front end troubleshooting, you know, how is the smoke output? Because if we're going to see an excessive black cloud and a lack of power, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is boost test the truck. If it boost tests okay, the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is data log it and let's see where the rail pressure's at. Right. Right, which is really confusing to most of our customers. It is. It is. Because when you think of smoke, you think of excessive fuel. Right. Right. So when you ask them if it's smoky, they'll say, no. (laughs) <laughs> it has no fuel pressure, you know, <laughs> and no, that's really not the case. Absolutely. So, it, it, you know, if it doesn't spray, the, the spray quality is is uh, is really poor when the fuel pressure is low. And then the spray quality of out of the injector, it, it, you don't get an even burn. You get a lot of excess on unburned fuel. Absolutely. As a result of it. So it's a little confusing. It can be. Yeah. No, I mean, by basic logic, it is. But yeah, once you start to think about it, what's actually happening here is, the injector is open for a period of time. That's your pulse, right? right? And then if it doesn't have the required amount of rail pressure, again, it's skewed. So it's not sending the right amount of fuel. And that's, like you said, where we'll get the smoke from. It, it's Yeah, it's not the, it, it, not the right amount of fuel, and the way it's delivered is, is changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I have low rail pressure. I got a P0087 code. How do I diagnose it? Uh, well, after you receive the code, you got check engine light, you have the code. Uh, we want to start looking at different areas of the fuel system. You can't just it, – it, it's very important, like a lot of things on the vehicle, to get a good diagnostic path. And you want to look at the fuel supply side and the fuel pressure side. They're both going to greatly affect the, the outcome on the, uh, as far as fuel pressure, the ultimate fuel pressure goal. Um, Let's unpack that a little, Phil, if we can real quick. Yeah. We have the low pressure side and the high pressure side. Can you kind of explain to me the components that make that up? Um, On a stock truck without a lift pump, it's everything between the CP3 pump and the gas tank. Actually, the fuel itself. Everything in between is the low side of the fuel system. From the pickup on the sending unit to the connections on the lines to the lines themselves, the fuel filter housing, the fuel filter itself, and the line from the housing to the CP3 pump. That's all considered to be on the low side of the fuel uh, fuel system. And any leak anywhere in that, in that part of the system will greatly affect 
the fuel pressure delivered by the high pressure pump. Absolutely. And this is also another spot where if we get a leak here, it's also really common to lose prime. So guys who call in who have lost prime or every morning they go out, they have to prime up their CP3 pump to be able to fire up the truck and start it. That's almost always low pressure side leak. So like you said, it's something between the CP3 and or including the fuel tank. Right. And it, it all has a potential to leak. I Every always bit of guys, it. <laughs> Every bit of it. Even though you checked it last week, it doesn't mean it's not leaking this week. No, especially with the older trucks. I mean, you think about the rust in, in our area of the country. Oh, yeah. The rust that happens underneath that truck and every fitting, every connection, everything under that truck is, is, has the potential to, to be leaking due to corrosion and rust. And it doesn't take much. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they're not a very robust fuel. I mean, they hold fine under stock application and in perfect conditions, but it's not a very strong line. So that was one of the others I've run into is that when guys are working on something else in the truck, it's really easy to pinch a line or to crimp a line, to have a line collapse, things like that. They're all very good potential. So if you've been under the truck monkeying around with anything or fixing anything, um, especially I find guys for some reason working obviously towards the back end of the motor where the fuel lines are coming up. Um, those are all real good times to say, hey, if I was just down there repairing something else, there's a chance something got damaged while my hands were near it. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you always have to look at where you just were. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, chances are, and, and not it, it's not to say you don't know what you're doing. It's not to, you touched it. Yep. And when you're dealing with corrosion and rust and the potential of it, anything you touch is you you're gonna cause a problem so you know that's why a lot of the the builds that we do we replace all the fuel lines yeah everything's new because we just don't want to take that chance down the road but so that's that part of the system the high pressure side is everything after the pump and including the pump right um so now you're looking at the the lines the rails the injectors themselves the fuel pressure regulator all of that affects the high pressure side of the pump or there's potential to build that kind of pressure that we need to run this truck. And uh, typically on that side, you know, it, it, well, before we get too deep into that, diagnosing the highest pressure side, because that's pretty in-depth. I mean, we can go right. for a while on that. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll hang back on that one just for a second or two. Um, on the low side of it, though, and I, and I want to emphasize really checking that because a lot of people ignore it because they have a high pressure failure. Right. It comes up as a high pressure failure. So where are you going to look? I mean, my go-to is always high pressure. Right. Right. Because it said high pressure failure. Right. So that makes sense. Right. So it, uh, that's where everybody would go. And, and if I w didn't have the experience I have in, in with this truck and in, in, in this fuel system, that's where I would go too. I right. mean, I, you know, it's not nothing to be ashamed of by any means. <laughs> um, but so we're, we're looking at the fuel low side fuel system. How do you check it? Yeah, really the only ways I know of, Phil, is just a visual inspection. So climbing underneath the truck and looking for leaking fuel, which can be almost impossible to spot. It, you won't see any. Chances are very good. If there's a leak down there, you will never see fuel come out of it because the system's under vacuum when the, when the truck is operating. When we're talking about a, a stock truck that doesn't have a lift pump. All right. That system from the fuel itself all the way up to the CP3 pump should be running somewhere between one and six inches of vacuum, depending on the demand. Right. And, and that varies, too, depending on temperature, 
because the viscosity of the fuel changes with temperature. Right. Um, so it's always under a vacuum. So when is it going to? When does it have more pressure? When the fuel's just sitting in a line, or when you're drawing a vacuum on it? Well, it's got to be when you're drawing a vacuum, right? Right. So you're going to draw a little air through there. The air gets in the system, and then it, it, you know, it causes the problem that we're talking about. Right. Um, so when you end up with a situation like that, the easiest way to diagnose it is to have a pressure gauge for that truck, for the Duramaxes we're talking about right now. And that gauge, when installed on the test port on the vehicle, when the truck is running, like I said before, it should be somewhere between one and six inches of vacuum. If you don't have that, if you have way more vacuum than that, you have a restriction. Okay. If you have way less vacuum than that, you have a leak. That's a really easy way to spot it, huh? That's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. That saves a lot of guys. I feel like a lot of time trying to find, is it a, you know, is it a leak or a cramp? I mean, that at least could point you in the right direction of what to look for next. Right. Okay. How right. do I find the leak? Pressurize the system. Okay. So are you taking the lines completely off and pressurizing them out of the truck? Are you hooking up an air compressor to the tank and just pushing fuel up? Or No. I mean, when I say pressurize, I'm, I'm talking about vacuum. Gotcha. So the easiest way to do it is take it a section at a time. So determine which part of the fuel system you're going to check first. So if you're going to check the line between the, the filter housing and the CP3 pump, isolate it and put a vacuum on that line. And if it loses the vacuum, you know, draw a vacuum on it and watch it for a minute or so. If it drops vacuum, it has a leak. Right. If it holds vacuum steady, it doesn't. Go to the next section. Break it down one section at a time. Don't try to diagnose the whole system because you're no closer to finding the leak. Right. All you know is that there is one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you already know that at that point. You know, so yeah. it, it, it's not going to help you. But so, you know, don't ignore the sending unit. Yeah. Inside the tank, the the pickup tube down inside the tank. They they get porous. They get rusty. They, you know, develop leaks just like every other part of the system. So that. And the sock in the tank, you have a, a filter, a pre-filter down inside the tank. Don't ignore that. Right. You know, that could be a potential for sucking air. Um, and that's just how I would do it. That's how I do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's a really in-depth review of diagnosing the low-pressure side leak. That actually gave me some insight onto some extra stuff I can help guys with over the phone. How about the high-pressure side? Once I hit the CP3, how do I start diagnosing that forward? Well, the first thing we're going to look at on that is a leak, for a leak. Okay. Because on that side of the system, a leak will be present. We'll, right. we'll see it on the outside of the system. It will be spraying a minimum of 4,000 PSI through it. Right. So. Right. <laughs> and uh, a lot of times, because it's such a high-pressure system, it doesn't take much leak, you know, much of a leak to cause the problem. Oh, yeah. And the, the leak, because it, it, it's probably very small, yep. will be a mist. Because and that's it, all. Yeah. It's spraying at that kind of pressure. It's just a mist. So now you still have to find it. But that, you'll you'll know the area that it's coming from. You'll be able to see the area and, and, and chase it from there. Yeah. So that's one. It's the first visual inspection. You know, you're going to look at the system on the engine itself. That's the high side is all on the engine. And uh, if you don't see any visible leaks, you want to look at uh, the fuel injector flow rates. Okay. Look at those. Because that's a real easy test. You do it with a scan tool. You don't have to touch a wrench. <laughs> pick up <laughs> pick up the scan tool and check the flow rates. If the flow rates are excessive, it'll cause the same problem. Right. 
And then from there, we're going to look at fuel pressure regulator. There's diagnostics for fuel pressure regulator. And the sensor itself, the fuel pressure sensor itself. So if everything else checks out just fine, everything looks good, don't ignore the sensor because it could be damaged too and just reading wrong. Right. You know, so we go back to what we started talking about. So you have all the symptoms involved in this problem. If you don't have the symptoms other than the code, you know, your truck shifts fine, it pulls just fine, everything's working, but you're getting that code consistently. Don't ignore the fact that it might not be reading accurately. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I have seen a handful of bad fuel rail pressure sensors, which is one of the most even more frustrating things on top of this, where it just really compounds your anger of, I thought I had a problem, but really it was just a bad sensor. So you spend a lot of time chasing your tail on it, as it were. Yeah. And there's no service port on the high side. Right. So there isn't, there is, there isn't like you can just hook up a gauge to it and say, oh, well, the sensor's wrong. Gauge reads it. <laughs> I wish there was because it really would simplify our lives, but yeah. it's not. No, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, I know one of the other ones is a CP3 test. So obviously you, you probably don't want to pull the CP3 out and send it to somebody to bench test it. Because one, there's only a handful of guys in the country who do that. And two... It's just, it's an expensive guess. You know, it's an expensive test. It's minimum 10 hours of labor to pull a CP3, probably closer to 15 on most trucks. You, right. you know, so you don't want to pay for that type of labor to pull it out and test it. So a better way to do it is leave it in the truck. Leave the truck at idle with EFI Live 7.5. You can use bi-directional control. There's other advanced scan tools that allow you that same control. So something Anything that Anything bi-directional. Yeah, bi-directional yeah. control is what we're looking for. And what we'll do is we'll leave it in park. And we will command max rail pressure. And then we will data log it while we're commanding max rail pressure. And we'll see if the pump's able to keep up. Now, a stock pump is not going to hold wide open throttle max rail pressure for an extended period of time. Don't expect to get 10 minutes out of it. But it should at least reach that peak and not fall on its face. If it comes down a little bit and holds a little under peak, that's pretty normal. That's why we would recommend like a Sportsman CP3, which would be capable of holding that wide open throttle. Right. 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 But a stock pump should at least come up to peak and then be near it, you know, maybe a thousand or just under that threshold away from it. Right. And typically when you do that with a scan tool, you can get about 27,000 out of them. Right. It doesn't allow you to go to 29. Right. Um, but you can get up to 27,000. And if it stays within 100 PSI, which is the test. Yeah. If it stays within 100 PSI of commanded, then the pump, you have to call the pump good. Right. You know, and then the final test to this, and, and it, it's a, a kind of a tricky thing, but you can unplug your regulator. It'll go to full pressure. Absolutely. But don't, you know, just be careful with that. Just do it for a couple of seconds. It sounds like a cool parking lot tune. Just no regulator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it, the pump should go to full rail at right. that point, um, somewhere close to twenty nine thousand. If you can, if it does that, then you got to call the pump good. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the year, the few different years have different max. Yeah, they rail have pressures. different max right. on them, right? But yeah. Yeah. yeah LB seven, I want to say, is like twenty two, twenty three. LBZ is like 26, and then the new ones are like 32. Mm -hmm. Right off the top of my head, the, the numbers could vary a little. Because I did no research for this, Phil. Um. I, I did a little research. <laughs> I was I was trying. Um, even though we work on these every day, you know, the actual facts and figures, we have to it's, look for those. Well, well, it is too. And I think that's the thing is, you know, when guys call in, um, you know, as much as we know, you know, Phil knows or I know or, you know, Danny knows or Nick, um, we still have to 
check. You know, we still do research every time somebody calls about a problem. Nobody can memorize everything, right? You can't memorize the whole book. Absolutely not. And you know, it, it, when I get, when I get a vehicle in, I see a code on the vehicle. I go look it up. Yeah. Because that same code varies from vehicle to vehicle to vehicle, even the same vehicle different years. Right. So there'll be a difference in that code as far as specs are concerned, like we were just talking about pressure, you know, expected pressure out of the thing. So you, I look it up. I do the research every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's you funny because people call in all the time and they give me trouble codes of whether we've tuned their truck or not. And uh, they'll give me a trouble code. And the first thing I always ask them, have you Googled it? Because that's literally what I will be doing when you call in with AP code <laughs> is I will be Googling it. Hold for a moment. Right. While I, yeah. I type in the code and then the brand of truck it is and it. I, I find a DTC list on a forum every single time. Uh, nobody knows them all, you know. Some of these more common ones, yes, we deal with them on a regular basis. I wouldn't have to look this up, but no. But, but yeah. you know, the same, like you said, common ones though. But for every year and model of that vehicle, oh yeah. Well, yeah, okay. So Duramaxes, they finally changed their DTC list for 2011. Although there is quite a bit of carryover, so 0087 on a on an LML compared to an LB7. Same thing. Same thing. But they, are the added, same they added a ton of codes on the LML that didn't exist before because there's new shit. Right. And we expect the same thing when the right. L5P comes out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about – so we know what the symptoms are. We know at least an idea on how to diagnose it. We could narrow it down at this point. I would throw out there is a bottle test of uh, pulling off the injector line and then measuring uh, how much fuel comes out, liters, right? On the return side. On the return. I'm sorry, pulling right. out the return line. Right. Doing a return test. Never pull off the pressure side. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so it happens when you talk faster than you think. Um, but yes, absolutely correct. So, so doing a return line test, it's probably, I would call it like an archaic test. Right. Like it's not a very advanced test. You can look up. Uh, we don't have to go into all of it now. You can look it up online. It is very rare. I can only think of one truck in all the years I've worked around diesels that we ever actually use this test to diagnose something. And it was a situation where we were getting low rail pressure uh, codes under high load, under heat, excessive. And I mean, it was Kodiak with a 6.6 liter full service body pulling a trailer with a ditch witch on it. Like, My favorite truck. Just <laughs> be, you know, this thing was just, that, that is the most stress you'll ever put on a 6.6. I always hang my head a little sad when I see a truck like a poor truck. <laughs> like, oh, but um, I'll tell you what, we put that truck through every test and it passed and it still had this problem. And finally, one of the techs, DJ, we'll give him a shout out here. Mm -hmm. um, he pulled off, I think he did the test eight times back to back and one time it failed. So wow. even when you're doing that that return test or the bottle test, it's most often called um, repeat the test and repeat results a few Absolutely. times. Absolutely, just make sure we're getting consistency out of it. Well, that you know, by then, hopefully you've done you've tested every other part of the oh, system, God, yeah. and this you know it's in there. Oh yeah, you know that that's where that problem is, and and you just have to. Have, like you said, hang in there and keep testing it because it's going to fail. You know, the only thing you can do that will help you along in a situation like that is try to match the conditions in which it failed. Absolutely. If you can match those conditions, usually you'll see it. Right. Um, but that, that test is, is you're, you know, you're, you're going to pull the return sideline off. You're going to be testing four injectors at a time. And you're gonna, there's a certain flow rate, so you're expecting a certain amount of volume in a certain amount of time. So that's that's really the test, and it's really accurate if you can do the test correctly. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, okay, real quick here, let's dive into some of the common failure parts. And I could think of four of them. So I'll start off with the first one here. I would say the most common problem I have is a fuel pressure relief valve. I want to be really clear on this part. This is a relief valve that has a mechanical spring that is screwed or mounted or bolted into the backside of the common rail, just uh, behind the glow plug control module, if you will. We see this spring over time. It sees tens of thousands of PSI on a regular basis. As any spring, it eventually loses its tensile strength. It starts to open. When that return, that fuel pressure return valve opens, it relieves all of the rail pressure into the return line. Nothing is wrong with the truck. There's nothing physically disabled or broken. It's just that relief valve opens. Now, the relief valve was built by design for a just-in-case situation that if your pump ever went totally insane and made some egregious amount of rail pressure, that it wouldn't blow up the injectors. It would bleed into the return line. However, we've tested stock pumps beyond all belief. We know that they make 600 to 620 rear wheel horsepower extremely consistently, and they're not ever going to damage the injectors or the motor by running at full rail pressure. So there's no need for the for the fuel pressure relief valve. We replace those with a hard plug. It's a very simple pull it out, put it in, call it a day. Right. And then it just blocks that that passage completely. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't, I don't know why they put that in there. I, I really don't. I've never been able to figure that one out. The newer trucks, they went to an electronic style and they actually use it. So they actually measure to balance things out. Uh, totally unnecessary on the older trucks, though. Yeah. And I have a feeling they could delete it on the newer trucks, but it's, it's a safety backup. Yeah. Is what well, those pumps to. are capable of more pressure, too, on the new yeah. ones. More so. pressure, lower volume. Isn't that weird about a CP4? Yeah. Um, okay. I would just note on this, your LB7 does not have a fuel pressure relief valve. So if your LB7 has all of these symptoms and you've done all of this diagnostic, uh, I guarantee it is not the fuel pressure relief valve because they do not have one on the common rail. They have one sunk into the return line that will not be the cause of this code. So there's no right down one. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So now we're looking at other things. Right. Probably CP3. Yeah. Um, which leads us up to the next one. That's the next thing I had written down, a weak CP3. Uh, we talked about doing the CP3 testing, being able to pull the regulator off, run it wide open, or preferably using bidirectional control and data logging it. This should be a real easy test. If you need a CP3, of course, you can always reach out to me at work. I'd always be happy to help you find a sportsman or 10 mil pump or whatever we need to do. Which will make a huge difference overall. I would say, what? how do you feel about people throwing a dual fueler kit on a bad pump so that they don't have to pay for the labor to replace the bad pump? I don't feel one way or the other about it, to be honest with you. I mean, if you want to spend, you're going to spend the money one way or another and the dual fueler will, it will compensate and it will, it will make it work. Yeah. I, I have had a lot of guys ask me about this. So if your buddy's got a dual CP3 kit laying on the shelf and a good CP3, or a, I'm pretty sure good CP3, um, you'll get by. It's a lot less labor to do a dual CP3 kit than it is to replace a CP3. The cost, like if you had to go buy it new, it wouldn't make sense. It would only be for somebody if you had that opportunity or you had those parts available or you had a steal of a deal on them. Sure. Something like that. That's the sure. only time it would be logical. Other than that, it would always be better off just replacing the CP3. Yeah, because a stock pump is nine hundred bucks. Yeah, for just a stock replacement CP3, nine hundred or so. 
Yeah. And, and you know, the kit to install it, if you bought the kit, $1,600, yeah. it makes no sense to do it as just so, because you didn't want to dig into the, the Valley one. All right. It's stock, stock CP3. I just sold one today. They're $750 bucks plus a $300 core plus shipping. Are they really? Yeah. $750, $300 core plus shipping. There you go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's a laborsome job doing the CP3. It's a bit of a pain in the Some are worse than others. <laughs> <laughs> what else, Phil? What else could be the potentially causing our, our P0087 code? Uh, the things that we've seen are... You know, we have we've have had a couple of regulators go bad right. that have caused it. We have had uh, injectors causing it. Um, it. End of the line there. I, I want to say that if you if you're having this trouble code injectors, in my opinion, especially on newer trucks, so probably uh, LLY and newer injectors are probably the last thing I would check in my list. I just yeah. I don't see them often cause this issue. We'll usually get white smoke at idle and other shit out of injectors. Yeah, the only time we've seen injectors, it's under a higher horsepower situation. Yep. Higher horsepower, larger demand for fuel, yeah. and then you have a return rate that's too high on several of the injectors, and it just can't keep up. Yep. Yeah. So stators get worn out. Uh, the parts inside of the injector get worn out and they have a problem just moving fast enough to keep up. And that, that absolutely can cause the problem. Yeah. Or they could have debris in it. Uh, sure. And well, by that point, it probably does have debris in it. Yeah. And then you got to look at the CP3 pump anyway. Right. Because that same debris went through the pump. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle at that point. Absolutely. Uh, deadlift pump, that is the other one. I've had that happen a few times to myself where I was getting low rail pressure codes and wasn't keeping up, and I was in my big tune. And when I jumped out and had the truck idling, I realized CP3 pump was not on. So that the lift pump was lift pump. I'm yeah. sorry, lift pump. Absolutely, right. That's what I meant. Well, and, and we've talked about stock trucks. So when we were talking originally uh, uh, in the beginning about diagnosing the fuel system, I like to go back to a stock vehicle because then it kind of narrows. It, it keeps you in the in the right mindset. Right. You know, once you install a lift pump in the system, the lift pump is going to compensate for a lot of things. It really will. You know, like I said before, the leak that we were talking about in the low side fuel system, that same leak won't show up if you apply pressure to it. Right. It only shows up when you draw a vacuum against it. It sucks air in. Yeah. So we've seen that several times. Um, and the lift pump is going to apply about 8 to 10 PSI. Nope. So when we look at that, so let's let's talk about a truck that has a lift pump, has a, we, a known good CP3, has the rest of the, the rest of the systems in good shape, yet it's still setting the code, and we've seen this many times. Right now we have to look at the expected uh, um, delivery pressure from the lift pump because. It, in this case, I mean, and usually in this case, it's a higher horsepower application. It has the race tune installed on the vehicle. And it, that's when you're going to see this PO087 is when you're really putting the demand to it. Yeah. You have a lift pump. It's operating. And you're not meeting the goals. Exactly. And usually that's uh, we've had a couple of them that were caused by just bad lift pumps. We had some of them that were caused by leaks before the lift pump. Right. Like we talked about before. You know, don't ignore the sending unit. Don't ignore the <laughs> lines. Um, 
we put a uh, we had one just recently and we ended up putting a sump in it because we knew that the delivery part of the the uh, sending unit was bad. Yeah. I mean, it had to be a leak in there somewhere. Right. And so, it, at some point, you just know it. Like you said, once you've broken it apart and you've isolated it, sometimes you will know where the problem is. You can be creative. Like you said, putting a sump in as opposed to replacing sending unit, you can kind of price out to see what's going to make the most sense for you and what's going to be the best. Sure, the best bang for your buck. And, and we actually took lines off and used bucket of fuel to test that, <laughs> where you know we, we, we took the line off after the pump, checked the volume on the pump. Volume was a little low. Yeah. So now we're like, well, we're a little suspect. So then we took the the line off on the suction side, the one that comes from the gas tank, put that in a bucket of fuel, and now we had proper delivery. Now, that's that's it. Narrows that's it, it down, and that's what I was saying before. You got to narrow it down. Yeah. You got to do it a section at a time and narrow it down, <laughs> and not look at it as a whole. Absolutely. Well, Phil, I think this has been a great and in-depth review of P0087 and 1093. Any other final notes for our listeners? Nope. No, I think we covered it. I think so, too. I think this has been great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, If you'd like to reach out and ask Phil questions, you got to go through me. So (laughs) (laughs) give us a shout at the office, 815-568-7920. This has been Paul Wilson. And Phil Grandinetti. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Calibrated Power Solutions, the leading North American developer of clean diesel power and home of DuramaxTuner.com, is the proud sponsor of the Diesel Performance Podcast. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped tunes for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, Jeep, John Deere, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. To reach out to the Diesel Performance Podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTuner.com or Danny at DuramaxTuner.com. How about P1093? How does that differ? I didn't look it up.